Hey, Damon. What's up, Daniel? <laughs> Hello, listener. How are y'all? Y'all all right? I think everyone's doing good. I think we can start the show. We're going to project doing good, at least for this hour. Yeah, you have a good period of time ahead of you. Yes. I can say that confidently that you're going to enjoy our conversation today on Ergo, where we showcase the folks reshaping the culture of our city for the more equitable and creative. Uh, we have a fantastic guest. Reseda Cox is here. My, my adjective of the day is delightful. You've been delighted more and more. I have been delighted. I'm trying to use different adjectives, which I think I'm doing a good job. Uh, <laughs> Reseda definitely gets the delight. I think you said enchanting recently. I did. Yeah. Tanika was enchanting. Mm. Reseda, delightful. Yes. So get ready to be delighted. But first, a couple <laughs> announcements. Uh, first off, one of the things that we talk about in the interview is the People Say Open Mic, which happens at Trap House Chicago on 79th and Cottage. Their next edition of this open mic they've been doing for about a year and a half is tomorrow, Friday the 12th. Uh, it's a fantastic time. Come through, support, and also just check out Trap House Chicago. Uh, it's a clothing store and restorative justice hub on 79th and Cottage. Also, next week, you want to tell them what's happening on the 17th? Oh, it's cracking. We oh, got it's going to be crazy. Live event, Ergo Live. Very, very, very extremely special guest. I'll have better adjectives <laughs> by the date. <laughs> we got superstars and our homies, Tasha and Eve Ewing in conversation with us. RSVP, go find that link on all of our socials. going to be drinks and all types of refreshments provided. There might even be some snacks. Light snacks. Mm -hmm. You should have a seat. <laughs> there should be a seat provided. Ooh, can we guarantee? This is a real test. We can't guarantee. Speaking of this moment where we're <laughs> in contrast between our morals and our <laughs> actions, that's one of the themes we talk about in this great wide-ranging conversation with Rosita. We also talk about... TV news. She was a TV anchor. We talk about her documentary that she's working on in Garfield Park. We talk about figuring out how to make sense of what's happening at the border and the images and what they're doing to us and moving us and and all that type of stuff. Damon brings up the civil rights movement like 15 multiple times, times. <laughs> which is great. It's great. I don't know if it's helpful, but y'all have it. And I do the thing that I have been most terrified of in the almost 200 episodes of the show, which is that I slightly mispronounced the guest name on the air. So enjoy that moment. And then there's also a great story at the end. So please stick it out for one of like the highlights. Uh, my, one of my favorite things we've ever gotten on, uh, on Mike. Let's get to it. <laughs> Reseda Cox on Ergo. Yeah. I've never been like a serious poem writer. Mm. though I've spent a lot of time around poets, but I've always thought like, if I didn't know what kind of poem to write, I would just do an erasure poem. Because you already have to-do lists and other things. Just, like, situationally take out words because you've already written the words. Mm. That's the hard part is, like, a blank page and then adding words. Yeah. Mm. But the taking them away seems kind of fun. I find that taking words away is actually harder for me. Hmm. Um, like, self-editing is super hard because hmm. I'm just so in love with every Not yeah. everything I write. Yeah, that yeah. sounds... I'm not in love with everything I write. But if I write something I like and then someone tells me I need to edit it down, I'm like, nah, I don't know how to do that. So. Well, that's that like kill your darlings thing. Yeah. What, what I've learned, time is really a great healer for that, mm. for that angst because once you get far enough from it where you don't remember your intentions anymore, it's much easier to edit yeah. it. Right? <laughs> like, once you still know why you put something there, to you it makes sense and it's hard to make sense of it without it. But like, in three months where you don't have it memorized anymore. This is very you true. you look at it and you're like, oh, shit. That That's not good. great. Yeah, I'll or, look at something yeah. like, what in the world was I writing this day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah especially, especially like when it comes to 
outside of like content parts, like the rhythm, like mm-hmm. you know, line construction. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't have to make it that choppy. I don't have to make it that convoluted. Mm. Like I felt for it, like oh, I'm breaking the mold. It's like, no, this <laughs> I is, got some new. This here. is just awkward. This is clunky. <laughs> <It's just weird. laughs> Writing's hard. It is. But did you see what I flipped? Like, <laughs> now, once you forget your own flip, forget the flip. <laughs> That's a good indication. You can lose the flip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is there anything in particular you would like to talk about? Anything in particular you would like to not talk about? I'm pretty much an open book at this point in my life. <laughs> you can find all the information on the internet. <laughs> yeah, have you ever just like got bored and Googled yourself? Of course. Right. Yeah. I Google myself and like my address is online. Because you know those like like fine weird so, yeah. yeah, those weird websites where they have like your age. Apparently, according to one of those websites, I'm a twenty seven year old white woman. I don't know where they got that I was white, but they on the, the internet, I'm white. <laughs> Are you 27? No. <laughs> so they're swinging a miss there. But it's me, though. It's Rosita Heavenly Cox, which is not a typical name. And they have, like, North Carolina. They have my mom's name. And then, like, siblings, they blurted out and an email address. And it was like... Caucasian, 27 years old. And I'm like, what? Just one of those, like, internet search websites? Uh, you know the, like, f- white yeah. pages are, like, uh, I yeah. think white pages is legit. Well, they just make everyone white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <part> the- <laughs> or pages. Well, I text my sister. I was like, terrible joke. <laughs> the internet thinks I'm a white woman. I think I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Let them, what they don't yeah. know won't kill them. Just apply for certain things only online. Uh, uh. <laughs> Do you ever Google yourself, name? It's, it's hard with my dad. Oh, yeah. Oh, you guys and, have the same name. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, you never yeah, get to experience what that feels like. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are other, it's it, it's a, I, you don't meet them, but they exist. There are other Damon Williams out there professing or CFL football players or something like that. <laughs> it's um, not a particularly young And there's, there's some young Damon stuff that, that'll come up. Mm, mm-hmm. And your middle name isn't Heavenly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta, I gotta get that that Alexander out here. Mm-hmm. More, more Damon A. Works. Williams is like a yeah. that works. I, I, I throw that out. <laughs> that's an act, that's like an actor name. It totally it is. It sounds famous. It is sag. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I can't claim, but it uh, it is sag registered. Ooh, <laughs> you hear that, folks? <laughs> Don't try it. <laughs> and you have a unique last name, so you can Google yourself. There yeah. was an alderman who died two years ago in Des Plaines, Illinois, named Daniel Kisslinger. Really? Isn't that weird? Why do you know that? Because I Googled my name. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, duh. Is there a community of people whose names are sentences? uh, It's called, um, there's a name for it. My dad had a running list in his office of people whose names are like a full sentence. His name Hmm. is Kisslinger. Oh, you mean just the last name? Yeah. I'm trying to think of now an example of where the full, like, first to last name is a full sentence. You know, just in case type shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is so cool. The other one, <laughs> the other one is a, uh, I'm, like, thinking of what I'm going to name my children now. Yeah. An aptonym is when your name relates to what you do for a living. So, like, there's a baseball player named Cecil Fielder. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there was a word for that. There you go. Thank the, you so much. The other fun one we've been coming up I'm with out here recently. just producing wills and I am's. <laughs> <laughs> I'll write your will and I am contaminant. <laughs> I really don't understand how we uh, got here, but I like it. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Glad we got here. <laughs> oh my god. I want to name my fourth son Gargantuan. Ooh. 
Damn, that's you. You're gonna hate your fourth son. <laughs> They're gonna call him Garg for sure. <laughs> that's super cool, but I bet he's gonna end up being your smallest son. Probably. You hope so. Because <laughs> if he's huge, no, that's what's up. That's what's up. That's kind of what's up. I'm tiny, so I don't know if I'm gonna produce huge humans. Mm. But you know, is that something you worry about? About this is like a very, humans. very personal question. <laughs> no, do you know so there's another like really <laughs> personal? I've just been giving you guys. Yeah, I love all it. I love it. Let's get um, it. I get really worried about like I have really skinny legs, <laughs> and so I'm always concerned. Like, oh my goodness, when I get pregnant, are my legs gonna like break? These fears have been embedded in me since I was little. When I got chicken pox, I thought they were called chicken pops, and so Ooh. I didn't go lay down at night when it was time to go to sleep because so I thought they were gonna pop. Oh. And so I was really, I was really concerned. I didn't sleep that night. You yeah. don't need more worry when you have a chicken box. Yeah, <laughs> the chicken box as they are is is Man. enough. That's enough. <laughs> I've been stressed out since the day I was born. <laughs> I'm just so stressed. <laughs> That's a great title of something. Oh my god, <laughs> stress since day one. There is a heavenly cock story. So I will say this: there have been skinnier legged people who have who have, who have had kids successfully. So. I mean, everyone was born. Yes. <laughs> yes. And there's lots of people with skinny legs out there. Yes. So, Not many, though. I have a line that's very similar to that to that sentence. Um, what, what's that? We always yeah. talk about death is guaranteed, like death guaranteed, but so is birth. Everybody was born. That bugs me out. guaranteed that everybody was born. Birth is guaranteed. Yeah, that is the craziest thing to me. I just, like, fucking... Sean Spicer was born. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like someone was like in labor and then Sean Spicer came out. People stopped what they were doing. People were so happy. He used to be like, you got to think about gross humans used to be cute little babies. Like they used to be someone's cute baby. Yeah. I think that's weird. That is weird. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Donald Trump was a cute little, I don't know if he was cute, but he was a, he was somebody's baby. I feel like he was dressed terribly as a baby. But his dad sucks. His dad does. So you're not as cute a baby once you're, once you're people. To your family you are though. Yeah. No, I'm sure like people were like hyped. Everyone at one point was someone's like focal point. Yeah, that's crazy. The fact that everyone couldn't hold their own head up. This is the kind of thing that's so interesting that it's not interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? (laughs) As you keep talking about it, you're like, okay, all right. (laughs) Like we just have to live with this reality, but Mm. it doesn't make any sense. Like it is mind blowing. No, every person we learned how to do all of this outside of breathing and swallowing. Mm. And the fact that we didn't have to learn that is like whoa. But we do, here's one thing that is wild that we just have innately. If you throw a baby into water, which I have not done. <laughs> <laughs> they will swim. They will. They don't know how to swim, but they will hold their breath. Mm. They know, maybe me, that's just from being not, in the womb. Let me not breathe in this They water. know to hold their breath, which is crazy. And isn't true for a lot of other baby animals hmm. that can't breathe So I can't just throw my cat in the water and he'll... I mean, you can do whatever you want. No, he'll swim, actually. But not your baby cat. Okay, he's a baby cat. (laughs) Oh, yeah? I guess they call those kittens in in, in some parts. I call them baby cat. (laughs) I did that. My little ass cat. (laughs) What blows my mind even more? I call it a new cat. Little little baby cat. (laughs) I'm rocking baby fat. I hate that I've even already started talking about my animal. I talk about my cat a lot. But I'm going to try not to talk about my animal. What's the cat's name? Cardi. Yeah, I've been enjoying some photos of your cat. Don't tell me that. I will begin to post way more. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> just a little shade up top. Oh, my God. Oh, that's how, my how, homie. How old is Cardi? Cardi just turned one. Wow. Um, And I was going to have a Cardi B theme party for him. 
Cardi's a he. Um, (laughs) But I just, you know, got negative $195 in my account, so I can't be Uh, throwing things. I thought you were about to say you got negative 195 responses. (laughs) (laughs) I thought one, one you invited 195 people to (laughs) To your cat birthday. But they all said (laughs) no. My homies will come through for Cardi, I think. And I just need to add that I did not name my cat. Page may make oh, the cat. Um, Even if you had the, you have nothing. People no, what people always say like, you must right. really love Cardi B, and I'm like, no, this cat was brought into my home as Cardi. Uh, <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glad that the record shows that. Yeah, 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 yeah on the record, <laughs> that actually is important. I would want to clarify that often. Did you? Because know? that's a big move yes. to name your cat Cardi. It, it is. Yeah. It is. And so if you're living with that move, I got to every day. I you should have to stand on. <laughs> it. Also, cats can live like 20 years. Who knows? Cardi B's gonna be in 20 years. <laughs> Exactly. I'm gonna be explaining this for uh, so long. Yeah, yeah. For so long. Have you thought about a like a like a rename? Is that no, a thing you can do? Because it's not like so. cats respond. Cardi knows his name. Mm. Yeah. So I don't want to like traumatize him. Have you historically viewed yourself as a cat person? No, I have not. Mm. I don't mm, think I'm deep. a any. T- <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm a any type of person. Honestly, uh, I started wanting an animal. Um, maybe three years ago, mm-hmm. and I just didn't make time to go find one. And then there was this stray cat that found his way to Paige's house, and Paige pu- put up a post like, "Anybody want a cat?" Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that's my cat. You. Paige is a cat lady. She I forgot takes, this. She Deep takes cat stray cats. Yeah. and like, feeds them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like at one time, she might just have like six seven or seven cat, cats. Yeah, she's the person who taught me the term speciest. <laughs> What As in that? that's like a, like a don't true be, term don't for cat be, ladies? No, no, no. Don't be uh, specious. Uh, don't prioritize the needs of humans over other species. Uh, I would I would, I would, would give another route to that is, ism. Take it up with Paige. Take it up. If, she, if she's the originator. If she's the originator. No, 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 no. no, no. This is a term that exists. If it's a term, then yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to try to. Just you and the environmentalists just going at it. Because the idea, I'm, I'm hella wit. I yeah. just feel like. That it's doesn't come off the too. tongue good enough. Mm. It is a hard to. I don't. Yeah, know, I mean, I'm not like even gonna try. Racism and sexism. Just yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Hey. Quality writing. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> is that a class structure over there? I'll throw an ism on it. No problem. You get that. Well, <laughs> speciesism. Just to just to throw some D's remix. Speciesism. What did you just? Say? I, I missed it. I, I totally don't get. Throw some isms on it. Throw some isms on it. Throw some D's. Throw an ism on it. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Croyism. I don't like Lacroix. That's fine. I'm a Cory. Cory. You're a Lacroix. Lacroix. <laughs> yeah, the, that's the, fine. The Lacroix community can catch it on the chin. I think like once a year on Twitter. Well, when I when I went on Twitter, when Twitter yeah, was still happening for me, <laughs> they used to like once a year just like give give Lacroix drinkers a day. That's fine. Of just hell. Yeah, Look, it's not great. fair. No, I've it's been... not fine. I'm going to support you. <laughs> Speak up for yourself. I'm not, You're a... not vouching. You're not in that community. I'm not a anything. You're not. Oh. That's not rooting. Don't in box your me in. Dr- Don't Look, box me in. I've been drinking seltzer since before. before. Right, since right, right, you right, were both right. in short pants. Like I'm not a Lacroix head. Right, right, right. I'm a seltzer head. So you'll throw okay. a Perrier in there. You'll, Shit, I'll throw a fucking. Well, I grew up drinking vintage seltzer. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't need vintage. all this fancy shit. You'll, you'll I don't even, I'm not place. even about the flavors. You'll have to write a diss song about you, it. You'll kombucha if you need to. <laughs> you, you're not hold down by the Lacroix. At, at home, I don't have flavored Lacroix. All I want is bubbly water. Mm. Mm. That's all I'm looking for. It aids in digestion. It is a cultural inheritance. Jews and bubbly water go well together. <laughs> You've never said it like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this it's is de- a, it's deeper than this, When did y'all start bubbling? What's Oh, we've been bubbling. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh. 
<laughs> is this um, a borough thing? Is this a? I don't know. So you know the is this ever, diasporic? Someone <laughs> 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 diasporic. You know, there's the whole. First of all, seltzer I believe is a Yiddish word, but mm, okay. um, it sounds like it is. You know the old seltzer bottles that like are glass and they have mm-hmm. like a little top mm-hmm. on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they would you would the same way like with a milkman would come by and you'd leave it outside. Oh, and they, snap, really? they would do that with seltzer in the five boroughs. There's actually still a company that does it in New York City, hmm. but that's kind of like artisanal in Brooklyn. Yeah. People have been making egg creams. You all know about egg creams. Mm-mm. So an egg cream is, in its simplest form, this doesn't capture the majesty of it, but it's chocolate milk with seltzer. Chocolate milk with. But that's but bubbly that's, chocolate milk is what yeah, you yeah. just said. Yeah, yeah, but that's not a uh, that's not an accurate portrayal of what an egg cream is. So there's a certain way. First of all, it has to be Fox's You Bet chocolate syrup. Okay. The order in which you put the so you do milk to a certain point, then the chocolate. You stir that in, then the seltzer, and you, it, there's a certain stirring technique, and it creates like it's like an old school fountain drink. It's like the champagne of chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's what I call it too. My oh. cultural <laughs> sensitivity has expanded light years. Because because a, a younger me would have said, "Yeah, that shit sound nasty as hell." I'm not saying it's great. <laughs> Never said that. Chocolate milk pop is what that is. Yeah. Did you drink um? What are they called? <laughs> yeah. Yahoos. I, I you know I've never had a Yahoo. Really? They talked about it a lot on Hey Arnold, so I was oh, like down to check it out. You should go get one. But I never saw one. I don't think they were distributed heavily here. They had mm. them in the box out here. They didn't have them in the glass bottle. Which oh, is what we had in New York. I used to kill them when I was a kid. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think of that because Maybe it's, it's not called thing. chocolate milk. It's, it's called, called yeah. chocolate drink. Because or there's something. no milk in it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, what is this? What were we drinking? Yeah. Anything called the drink, you don't want one. Yeah. I could just use a drink. That's not good for you either. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah Name the ingredient. Yeah. 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 You should it shouldn't be the verb. Yeah. All I right, saw we something can, in the we, store. Let me let me just say <laughs> no, 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 that no, was a, that was a wine drink. It wasn't actually wine. It was a denomination of wine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and we asked the clerk, this was like up in like upstate New York. We asked the clerk like in the store, like, what is this? And she's like, We legally can't sell wine in this store. And so we sell huh. wine drink. Damn. And we were like, all right. <laughs> what what was the composition of it though? I mean Is it grape is it fermented grapes? It just has less alcohol in it. Ah, mm-hmm. So it's okay. not of the limit where they would need a alcohol license, I guess. So it's a play cousin to a wine cooler? Yeah, something like that. Play cousin. You ever heard about near beer? Near beer. This, or a three two beer. This is my dad tells me about this in St. Louis. It was beer that only had three percent alcohol, so it could be sold on Sundays. Because mm. you couldn't sell it similarly, like you, you gotta drink sell. like nine of them to actually get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I get really annoyed with the Sunday laws on anything, except for like no pay for parking type thing. It's <laughs> the only one I'm with. But stop trying to make people be holy on Sundays. Yeah, I mean you preach a new the Jewish choir. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my day, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like that shit is not oh. cool to me. Yeah, yeah. That's such an unholy thing to do. Is like to make other people be holy. That's <sighs> such a good point. Yeah. Stop forcing the holy. Yeah. You can offer holiness, free parking. All right, I'll take that. Thank yeah. you. If what God provided was free parking, that's kind of what they're saying, though. <laughs> <laughs> free parking in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are no meter maids in heaven. Man. Ah. Oh, we we just talked about. Parking yeah. forever. We can't yeah, yeah. go back. Let's let's start let's the show. Not talk about parking. <laughs> we're having fun. We're yeah. hanging out. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's all, that's all it's about. 
This feels a little like an after school special right now. <laughs> All right. We're so excited to be in the studio with, I'm glad I now know your middle name in order to do this introduction, with Rosita Heavenly Cox. <laughs> Ooh, that was a weird one. I've been like trying to get that weird with that sound, mm-hmm. and I hit it just oh, then. Oh, good. Congratulations. I don't think I'll be able to recapture it. Well, I'll just clip it and run that shit That's back. what I was going to we, mm. we need some people who... Yeah. We need fans. <laughs> like, we have listeners. But we, we, need, need, <laughs> we need fans. We have supporters. We have a base. We have people who will do things that are irrational. We don't have a name for them. Like a uh, believer. Uh, we'll get to it. Uh, let's, let's, let's start with where we are. <laughs> <laughs> Rosita, in this... <laughs> let's start where we always start. In this time, in this moment, in this season... How is the world treating you, and how are you treating the world? Hmm. That's such a pleasant yet difficult question. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about this uh, as a true lover of North Carolina. I'm going to answer it with a J. Cole quote. I feel ashamed because the good Lord and brought all this success to me, but all I do is focus on is all the stress on me. Mm-hmm. I feel like 2019 has been a, a great year personally of like creative growth. But then I'm still stressed out about, like, day-to-day stuff. And so it's hard for me to feel happy about, like, the things I'm doing and, like, finally coming into the space of doing the work I want to do. And then I, like, wake up and I got, like, negative amount of money in my account, you know? And then I'm stressed about that and I can't celebrate myself and my work. But the So that to say the world is being nice but also, you know— he giveth and he take it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel. Yeah. I wanna I wanna stay right there. I literally at like two, three in the morning wrote in my notebook, except growth. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a human phenomenon. And I wanna break it down of so here's what was happening to me of why I wrote it down. Just going through that same stressed out, like fucked up shit, I missed this, didn't do that, blah, blah, blah. And everybody who's encouraging me is like trying to tell me all the ways I'm great, but not only all the ways I'm great, all of the like improvement that they can see externally right but that frustrates me yeah right it's like i don't want to hear that right now i'm trying to vent or release how limited i am Mm -hmm. to a point where i'm not accepting the fact that i've grown and i think a lot of people do that and i think that's what i heard you just say Mm -hmm. you do yeah i want to talk about why we do that because i didn't answer it for myself Mm -hmm. so let's let's unpack our yeah why 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 don't we accept our growth we also have to accept the fact that a part of what makes us individuals who want to keep growing is that, like, um, self-criticism that we constantly have. The problem is finding the balance of, yeah. like, being mm-hmm. happy with how far you've come but also not being uh, complacent. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't like giving myself credit because I always feel like there's so much more to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think that's what it is for me. You ever think about the dummies who just aren't in their heads? <laughs> like that's obviously disparaging yeah, yeah, yeah. but just people who are just like oh I guess I'm doing this yeah. now like just, who just, just cursing out or just, just like watching the news just going place to place <laughs> I guess I'm gonna go over here yeah, yeah, yeah. but like so much of I think that's based on what you're saying and I think I know it's true mm-hmm, for you Dan mm-hmm. like so much of all three of our lives we live in our heads mm-hmm. and that's not everyone but it's I would not, say I would man. say those people disproportionately spend a lot of time criticizing other people criticizing the world huh I feel or, like yeah. that's where you get uh, a media takeout TMZ viewership from. We're just mm. like, we are we are the bossip of our own brains. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, what's Cardi doing now? Not the cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I agree. It's also something, we need a parallel. I don't know if dysmorphia can only be physical, 
but like that idea of like I always like to use like work if you like work out a lot you can't see physically the change in your body mm. because you're changing with it and so like the rate of Ooh. change is hard and so I like that so like psychologically emotionally spiritually once you're moving with it right like you need to be still right. in order to see movement and if you're moving with your growth it's hard to recognize the rate of change yeah. And so then you get like psychological, emotional dysmorphia. So let, let's huh. let's do, I like that language for it. Let's take a second and, and do it. How you been growing? Yeah. What's a couple ways, let's say in the last year, two years, five years that you see the growth you've made? Oh, man. <laughs> let me just go ahead and give my little spiel. Um, Yiddish word. <laughs> I'm just going to do that now from now on. Every time you should have a bill that you ring. <laughs> yeah. We need a lot of bills. So. <laughs> um, when we get this money right, we are going to have a soundboard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait till I get my money. Yeah. Um, just, I, oi! <laughs> <laughs> Go on. I wasn't ready <laughs> for that. I know, I know. I oh. what, wait, what, what? Oi! Okay. Do, can you do it again yeah, with yeah, the same enthusiasm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oi! Oh, yeah! <laughs> Um, <laughs> just some playful internal yeah <laughs> growth so I I started out as a TV news reporter when I graduated from college I was just listening to Tanika's episode on the way here and mm. I heard y'all do a little <laughs> bash on journalism same thing same thing <laughs> literally the same thing um, I did not like what was happening in my newsroom it was terrible I signed a two year contract but I was only there for a year and I just quit and I sold all of my furniture and packed my car up and drove to Chicago with no job. I had $400 in my account and a room on Craigslist. Why Chicago? My partner at the time was starting grad school, and I just needed to get out of North Carolina. I went to school there. I grew up there, and I never lived in a city before. <laughs> um, so I was like, let me just go see what this is talking about. So I did that, and just from that moment, the growth of stepping out of what was so comfortable to me and walking into, like, what I do, I still would consider it as journalism, but it's, still, it's more long format and less industry. I recognize my growth there, my growth as a storyteller. And then personally, I just feel like I'm more in tune or of understanding of what my beliefs are. Hmm. Yeah. Like, the, you have, like, clarity in terms of values? Yeah, yeah. Like, I wasn't on that in college. What are some of the beliefs you've become more clear on? I just think, like... My critique of the world, like politically, um, mm. is more clear for me. And maybe we have the help of like how terrible shit is now <laughs> that brings this into perspective and more clear on the type of work I would like to create and how my work will critique that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So you feel like in comparison to like college, you, the the lens has been sharpened? Yeah. I think that what happens when the like the values become clearer is then it can be hard to live in the contradictions of like the ways that your day to day doesn't meet those clear mm. values, which is something that I I struggle with myself. It's like the question is never what do I believe, it's how do I live with the fact that what I believe and what I do don't always match up. Yeah, man. It's so how's hard. that going? <laughs> it's hard. Just even yeah, like the day to day, man. Like I'm currently looking for this is like yeah, you know, just giving you more of my personal life. I'm looking for a new apartment. Mm-hmm. And just housing, again, was just listening to Tanika. Yeah. Housing is just like, oh, man, it's so difficult to navigate. Um, I don't want my presence to, like, have any negative impact anywhere I go. But also, like, I don't want to add to the profits of, like, these, like, real estate companies. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so I found this apartment that's, like, owned by this collective group of people who are just buying land and buildings to kind of reverse the effects of gentrification, mm -hmm. which is cool, right? 
But then I'm just like, I go look at the apartment. I'm like, it's all I ever see to stop being so bougie. Like, yeah, go yeah. live in the co-op. But I'm just like, man, I, I want a nice kitchen, bro. But mm, right. that's not me. That's not what I believe in. I need to like. Mm. So it's just difficult, even in those like day to day things, like outside of work, right? Yeah. So yeah, I feel that. Yeah. How about you, Dave? How's that going? The, As a values based person, for sure. Where yeah, you're, and yeah, you yeah. probably live closer to your values than most people. Yeah, that's why I'm. That's why I hide because it's. Like, ah. <laughs> But you feel like you don't do things because you don't want to be violating the rules. Yeah, definitely. I think um, there's a lot more like outwardness I would do, but because I don't feel like I can like subvert, especially gender position enough. Hmm. A dude taking up space and like depending on women's work to like be functional, it like then makes me less likely to show the things that I'm doing because I don't want more attention. I don't want more responsibility because it feels problematic and contradictory. But I'm also trying to grow a platform and like be present and be visible. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's the the turmoil for me. How about you? Yours might be cuter. No, mine is more compromising. Ah. It's just understanding that at some point you got to live somewhere and you got to do something. I buy Nikes still. But from the outlet. Man. <laughs> that's a compromise. I still go to Chick Fil A. You're a, so yeah. Let's let's it's get into good. that one in particular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never had Chick Fil A. Not from a moral standpoint. I just like didn't grow up. It, it doesn't have any cultural resonance for me. Yeah, it's not like an important thing. I yeah, because you grew up in New York. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're like mm-hmm. one of those people that didn't try Coke in the '80s. It's like, well, why get into it now? <laughs> <laughs> that's so real, man. It's like, well, I'm gonna it's wait like, for the doctor. Like, I'm, I'm already good. You know, I missed it. <laughs> oh my god! I see what's happening. I see see the impacts of it. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Is people still dealing with it, dude? From, dude yeah, from I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick up a habit. <laughs> that's real. But let's get into Chick Fil A. Yeah, but that is an example of like the things that we carry with us that mm-hmm. we know the other side too but you still do when you're eating the sandwich are you like feeling weird okay so growing up in north carolina not being in a city like you have to drive everywhere there are drive throughs everywhere like mm-hmm. getting fast food is so much easier right. um in a way because you could just like pull up boop, you don't even have to get out of the car yeah. um chick-fil-a's are everywhere that was a good promo for the, for the drive through <laughs> 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 I think in my past life I like wrote commercials or jingles or I'm really yeah. good at it yeah. <laughs> but I love it because we take it for granted but it is like a very common thing like drive throughs have been like firmly established but you did just shout out like yeah shout out to drive throughs <laughs> like for real I for real I am not trying to get out this car I don't want so to answer your question when I go to Chick-fil-A in the, in Chicago it's like two of them yeah. I think it yeah is it you like yeah, went two out of them. your way to go. you gotta go out of your way to get to Chick-fil-A unless you just happen to be walking by yeah. sometimes I'll just be like man I want some Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets and yeah. I'll go out of my way to go to Chick-fil-A and the going out of my way is what I'm just like Rosita go make a sandwich at home like what are you doing okay. yeah. <laughs> that makes sense yeah. that makes yeah. sense the, the, the going out of the way and the, the, the agency of that I feel that because yeah. I was about to like let you off the hook in a really depressing way what were you about to say <laughs> <laughs> I hate to I hate to be like this guy about the like I- so one the bigotry and homophobia is obviously like something we need to always resist in all of this form, particularly from institutions and corporations. Yes. And blah, 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 vote with the demand of your dollar. However, we can't drive ourselves crazy with this because it needs to be collective, more structural action because we're all buying oil and functioning mm-hmm. with banks, right? Like we're all right. traveling with gas and we're all using the American dollar 
and the oil companies and the banks facilitate murder. <laughs> like, like they, they, <laughs> they blow up people, they kill people all the time. And so like once we find our little pet things to be outraged about, Right. But not accept but not but yeah, yeah, but you be, be conscious, be conscious, right. obviously. Yeah. But also you gotta like accept that we're living in this crazy world and like figure out how to function and but, survive in a way that we can have the collective strength to create new structures. And that's like how you get boggled down with like being a person that has values, right? Yeah. Because it's just like goes back to I'm not doing enough or right. like this one little change isn't going to impact anything, so I might as well do it. And the problem is everybody thinks like that. Yeah. And so nobody does anything. Right, 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 yeah. right. So, yeah, it's a, it's a That's paradox. That's why we need to organize. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing less effective than a one-person boycott. <laughs> that is just one person <laughs> not getting a sandwich. That's <laughs> not a boycott. I mean, how many boycotts have there have been called in the last two years of a product, a thing to blind, you know, because they supported this and are funding? It's just like... You know, I'm going to go out and say it. I'm not a fan of a boycott. Mm. You're boycotting boycotts? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Why don't you like a boycott? I'm annoyed with myself already. <laughs> I'm getting too deep. <laughs> you know, because it's all from a movement perspective. I, I, I think so much of our consciousness is shaped by the ahistorical propagating of the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And so we think that all change happened because one day people said, we're not going to go to this one store. We're not going to go to this bus line. And like that is the way and it discounts all of the real organizing, all the movement, the 20 years to make that possible. And the fact that it was a prolonged thing with, on a specific target. Right. So the Montgomery boys, bus boycott then becomes protest and boycott is how you address structures and create change. But the bus boycott was one bus system in one small. Right. right? Like so people don't look at don't really analyze where the root of that and why mm -hmm. we put it in our consciousness. Right. And then it's just like, you know, T.I. or and like he's better of pop culture people you know to people who just don't care i will but like, never forgive him for nikki azalea true that was his doing. true that is unforgivable he's been trying to skate and he and he did he won't account for it he yeah. like he doubles down on it you are completely right all right cool i actually am not a big fan of him so that's fine <laughs> so thank you for giving me that space <laughs> right and so for somebody who's you know you're wearing diamonds and whatever and it's like oh let's boycott gucci like there's no politics behind it yeah. and it's very self-serving it's very performative it then dilutes the form in itself to what end also, right? right? Like the goal was we want to integrate it, not we're going to show you. Like it, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's yeah. And then it never lasts long, you know? Those like social media boycott call outs don't really last past the week, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Even if you didn't part weren't participating, what was the last like organized thing that you saw that you were like, oh, this feels meaningful and resonant and humanizing? Oh. I'm going to have to think about that. Yeah, it's a mm. big question. That is a big one. You got any? I mean, there are small things here and there. I mean, the but I always just come back to Standing Rock. Hmm. It's like the only example I've seen in my life of, like, if I hadn't seen that, I wouldn't think any of the things that I talk about are possible. Hmm. Mm. Because I would have no evidence that I'd ever seen of any of it being of possible. human beings being different. <laughs> this was a place where human beings acted different and created a different world a lot of them too thousands yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and without um compromise yeah there were tensions and contradictions mm -hmm. of course but mm -hmm. like they didn't get foundation money to make stand like there was <laughs> just people showed up and provided and it wasn't rooted in a campaign though there mm -hmm. was that direct mm -hmm. you know it was like let's create this other yeah. world yeah, and yeah. you know I'd fucking have a nine to five if I hadn't gone to Standing Rock. Mm. Mm. Shout out to Standing Rock. And we brought supplies from Freedom Square right, right. and dropped mm. that off. It was it. just 
yeah, it worked. Hmm. You know, even though it didn't accomplish its goal, yeah, it worked. But what does that mean? Like, because that's always the issue with organized efforts. Like, people always try to measure it, uh, like measure the success or what does success look like. Because mm. you say, like, even though it didn't accomplish its goal, it worked. But in it working, yeah, it accomplished a goal, right? So you know, Damon always says that like demonstrations are for the participants. It's not mm-hmm. for the people watching it, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I, there were a lot of ways that people participated, even if they weren't there. But the idea that like people contributed, people had a wide across the country and around the world understanding of the specific place and the particularities of that and connected it to the whole mm-hmm. and contributed their money and their time and their resources to something that was not profitable. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it didn't have an and, and, and it helps um, establish like a new position that was only like theoretical or abstract, right? Like mm-hmm. it makes it real, like to his point of he is now grounded and transformed and like sees himself in the world in a, mm-hmm. at a different place. Like right at that time, 2016, going into the, the presidential election, there was still an ability to like romanticize well-performed neoliberalism, mm-hmm. right? Right, we were rocking the Obamas. You can still, you can still be like, oh, and like, <laughs> I'm not gonna go too deep into like the Obama thing, but like for folks who still and hold at on some to point that, we'll rom- ask you about you to the romantic ideal, but like to see how his administration responded to that and did not respond to that, like mm-hmm. both, like that is in a clear marker of oh. I am further over here than what I thought, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I have a different relationship to the land. I have a different relationship to resources and humanity and people and resistance and liberation, right? I see that the state, I see that the beautiful, great, charming president mm-hmm. is all the way over there. And that's the norm, right? That's what yeah. the middle is. I'm no longer in the middle. And like something like Stan Rock helps make that real mm. that like a Twitter boycott can't. Yeah, that's such a good analysis of it. What about for you? Anything it doesn't have to be standard, but like, is there? I literally thing? can't think of anything right now. Yeah, it's gonna fine. pop up when we're talking yeah. about something. <laughs> so let's make it less about an organizing thing, and let's we could even make it about an art piece, something mm-hmm. visual, something musical, something that like has impacted you. Yeah, something that like I would be blank if it wasn't for this thing. Mm. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I saw this short film last summer. I think it's called While I Yet Live. It's about this community of older black women, I believe in Georgia, who make quilts, like these beautiful, Mm. large quilts. Um, They've been in museums now, I think, since the short film. Oh, and thinking of of that film, I have another one on top of my head. But I saw that film, and I did my first short film last summer on this man in my community named JC. Uh, He's a homeless man who sets up a chessboard on 53rd Street in High Park. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everyone, if you've hung out in High Park, you've seen JC. He's like the most friendly person I've ever met. I watched that short film, and then I was in this space where I didn't know where I was going next um, because I had just gotten laid off of my job. Laid off of my for the second time. I was late. I've been laid off twice in the past two years, and I was just like, "Yo, what am I doing?" And I saw that film, and it made me go tell a story, mm-hmm. and it made me tell the story in the way that I wanted to. And it was almost me breaking away from um, this news format I had been accustomed to, mm-hmm. and it was a really like human story for me. If I hadn't have watched that, I don't know if I would have had that push to go do that mm-hmm. and that has pushed me now to the like current project that I'm working mm-hmm. on which That's is dope. a longer film and then there's this short film that is more experimental um it's like a poetry piece it's called as I am look up as I am short doc because I don't want to butcher this man's name I think it's Alan something 
As I Am by Alan Spearman. Yes. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. Can you go watch this whenever you get a chance? Mm-hmm. And then I get into so many questions about it because it's an incredible portrayal of like blackness and a snapshot of um like black community and struggle and just like the beauty of it in it. And then it's also the, directed by a white man, so I have like lots of questions. Um, <laughs> I have lots of questions. It's it's such a good project. It won lo- loads of awards, but then yeah, I had to get happens. into like, oh man, like I have so many questions about what his film crew looked like and like what was the process in this and all of that stuff. Nonetheless, yeah. it's a beautiful piece of artwork that has really I I keep that in the back of my head when I'm creating because I'm also in a space of trying to merge my spoken word with my film. Hmm. This current project. Regrowth is going to do that. Like I'm using spoken word as a part of the narrative. So yeah, let's talk about the about the project. So real quick, just quick question: Is JC a master? Because I I just assume he's a, a master. Like chess is he player, good at chess? But is he just out here taking L's? <laughs> I want to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you. Let me. But tell is you. he one of those who's like getting people off real J- quick? JC be winning. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I mean, anyone can get because like chess traditionally player. that that position in society, like you think of like oh, yeah, it's yeah. like some type of like cerebral like genius and they like in four or five moves yeah, yeah. Just, just out here it's not in like... four or five moves because he's a so his style is so <laughs> he talks a lot of junk okay. I think he enjoys talking junk more than the game to okay. be honest with you okay. but he'll let he'll sit there he'll he knows he's about to beat you but he'll work around it just so you can sit there with him for another 10 uh, minutes and so he can yell at you uh, he beat you yeah. quickly but he wants the company yes he wants the company that's the thing which is so funny that's to me. great <laughs> But let's talk about right, the project. Yeah. <laughs> I love that's an important, just important Hey, man, I just like chess. Yeah, I'm just out here. Uh, just have good. I would, never I, said I was good. Yeah. It's like three ninety nine yeah, at I'm Target. I'm just trying to get better. I'm I mean, trying. to be fair, if you just sit out all oh, day and, and play, play chess, people, yeah. you, gotta you gotta get you, good you, at something. You would think that's point. been my assumption, but it would be hilarious. It's just every time. Because there's like, there's people who, like as a basketball player, there's people who show up to the gym every day who've been sucking for 15 Man. years. <laughs> <laughs> I just oh, had this conversation. That is does harrowing. Pra- <laughs> does practice actually make perfect or is that just no. a lie we tell ourselves? Oh, it's an absolute lie. That's what I be thinking. It's an absolute lie. What have you been practicing? Practice, practice improves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So does that mean that some people are just like born with talent? Yeah. I mean, that's the, at least in sports, the way I describe it is like, if you can combine inherent talent with insane work ethic, that's how you become incredible. But like, you have to have the inherent talent. But yeah. I mean, I could, I could have gone to the gym every day of my life and I would not be a very good basketball player. I, and I would even say less than talent because talent is like more <clears throat> activity. Like some people are, are just more suited. People from the Sudan's bodies evolved in a way that are suited for long distance Hmm. running. Some people are more suited to play a sport. And like as somebody who practiced a lot, there were people who I was better at in the game that were able to to move forward. Hmm. It's a very tricky. I could have practiced better though. Reality to acknowledge that. Yeah, that some people in certain things are just because they're inherently and, better. And, and they're lying yeah. to you in school is why it's hard to process that because you're told all lying. the time that that's not true. You can be whatever but, you want to be, but that's a counter to like fucking eugenics, right? Like that's trying to push back against like the the logical distortion of that reality into like a system that makes things makes horrible assumptions about people's like quote scientifically possible. 
like so then you discount all of that discount mm-hmm. all the ways that people have inherent physical or whatever advantage over people it's just a tr- that's a tricky balance it is tricky like yeah. i get into back and forth about it a lot because then you have to like can you actually be whatever you put your mind to mm-hmm. no i i can't be lebron james if i put my mind to it <laughs> no, i could literally work out all the time yeah. but i can't i can't it do is that impossible <laughs> yeah <laughs> And world doesn't value women's physical activity in the same way. Yeah. So even if you were the best. Even if I did put my mind like to it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be able to How is that? Sh- were you an athlete? How'd that show up for you? Um, Nah, I played tennis. I like single-handedly uh, desegregated the tennis team at Kids the High School. I say that, and it's funny, if you were to kiss high school, nobody here did, and no one listening will. But Kinston is a, a very black high school. We're like really counting on you bringing those listeners. <laughs> yes, I'm going to call up the homies in Kinston, North Carolina, and be like, yo, I put us on a map. <laughs> I put us on a map. Um, Kinston is like majority black high school, but the tennis team was all white. <laughs> like, the three that white people that went to like, our school, we're they were on the tennis like, shit, team. we're playing doubles against single. <laughs> So I um I was like, nah, I'm going I'm to go join the tennis team. And I did. And you didn't have to try out because it wasn't that many people. Oh, that's so funny. So that's the only reason why I ended up on a varsity, t- on a varsity tennis team. That is incredible. Otherwise, nah, I'm not, I'm not athletic. I wouldn't say because I, I wasn't born with the skill, but I just don't care. I don't want to be athletic. Are you competitive? No, I'm not competitive at all. Because I was thinking about that that's in good. relationship to what you were talking about with like drive and... um like dissatisfaction Mm -hmm. I think for me that's where like a lot of my competitiveness comes from is like knowing I could be better Mm. and that when it gets bad is like that other people could be better and that's where the like competitiveness comes from artistically or just like personally I'm trying to figure out the motivation for you Mm. is it like a I will get to this point where this won't be a problem anymore is it a like I need to get this out of me. What what what's the what's the drive? What's the mechanism? The drive to create things. Yeah, yeah. Um. The drive is because I feel like there is a lack of um, authentic stories of blackness that exist. And I want to be contributing to the authentic stories of blackness that exist because there's just such a lack of them. No matter how many more black filmmakers we get, there's still so much more work to be done. Mm -hmm. Also, as far as like, poetry goes and that side of my creativity I just hear poems in my head and I gotta put them down somewhere I see videos like I see stories I hear stories and I see them in like film format or in poetry form and I gotta get it out of me Mm -hmm. Um, and then also writing and storytelling is the only thing I've ever been good at (laughs) and so if I wanna make some money (laughs) you know what I'm saying like that's what that's what I gotta do because I'm not that's the hustle yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't wanna be a banker I don't wanna be I'm not interested it's the only thing I'm interested in I'm fascinated with it Hmm. Um, when I see good stories or I see good documentary films or I hear a good poem I'm like oh my goodness that's dope I love that yeah. Um, so all of that together is kind of the motivation. So you, you were talking a little bit in the first part of that answer about industry-wide lack, mm-hmm. right, of the complexity of story and showing people's experiences. Let's play a hypothetical. I love it. Let's I say love there it. was. I'm so excited. Let's say there's there a, was there needs not to be a, a bill for <laughs> hypothetical. <laughs> Let's say there was not a lack. Yeah. Let's say the film industry had not historically been exclusionary and racist. Mm. Because I, I hear so many people, especially around film, 
define it as like there has been such a dearth of representation mm-hmm. or a dearth of the wideness of stories being told that we have to like meet that. But let's say that that wasn't the case. Dearth. Lack. I like it. Dearth. <laughs> I'm going to name my fifth son. Gargantuan. <laughs> dirt. That's the real small one. It's dirt. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. Hey. That's funny. Y'all going to see me in like 15 years at the grocery store. Like, who is this? Well, this is gargantuan and that's dirt over there. Hey, teach their own. Yo, she was serious. <laughs> this is in the archive now. Uh, but yeah, so like what, and this is a tricky question to figure out how to phrase, mm-hmm. but I hear that that drive is like there is this lack that I want to meet mm-hmm. because it's important. Mm-hmm. But if there was not that lack. What would we do if there was abundance? Right. Yeah. Or, or even just like proportionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, there was some, I think it was on Neil Brennan's pocket, but he was saying like black people were 13% of the population. If 13% of the films <laughs> made were by black people with black at least, cast. That would be at least okay. <laughs> like, But would people still be talking about, because that is proportional to the population of the mm-hmm. country that is representative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a limit of that framework. Is like what happened, and I know we're not close to it, but like what mm-hmm. happens if that is met, then, you know, what drives it, right? Yeah. So I got a follow-up question to that sure. question. So if that is the case, uh, does that also mean we don't have like this deep racial history anymore? Are we like completely yeah. no, imagining? Sure. Because if it's the case and we still live like in our times, right, and we have all of the mm-hmm. the history and the terribleness of our country, however, the film industry has <laughs> overcome that some way, there's still, in my mind, the need for excess because we have more work to do to mm-hmm. reverse like the thoughts and understandings of like what blackness is or like the stereotypes that have been mm-hmm. uh, that have come out of that history. If we're imagining a world where like slavery didn't happen and racism and institutional racism isn't a thing and we are all on even playing fields. I, yeah, that's just not <laughs> useful. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, no, but your, your first answer I'm was saying, really good, though. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. And that's not the so, point. That I'm, it's like we're fast-forwarding yeah. to like all of this groundwork that is being laid right now, by filmmakers eventually now. Eventually we'll catch right, up. We it works. There's, okay, yeah, and so my what? answer is that we st- there's still more work for there's us still to healing. do because right. there's just so much history and so many years of like misrepresentation right, right. and lack thereof. That yeah, is, I that just is think, like spiritual and psychological and like inherent, like even if like to other shit, like if everybody had houses, right, there right. would still be like a human healing that we had to do yeah Mm -hmm. i just think that that's more useful than the like not useful i see limits and not in what you said Mm -hmm. in the like mainstream conversation around inclusion in film around it's like it's a numbers game i know that you can that like that's an easier sell to people in power Mm -hmm. but this just seems like the limit of that Mm -hmm. is like we're not actually talking about to some degree we're not actually talking about numbers we're talking about like fracture right, and right, right, right. And, and trauma and <laughs> yeah because yeah. also if we get to the world where 13 percent of successful films are making are who's getting 80 percent of the 13 percent yeah. yeah yeah and who are those black people right because right. because you know it is a spectrum and they, they there's a certain pattern that is established of like a particular type of elite blackness mm-hmm. that is allowed and so it would probably still be that internal inequity but you're actually asking a really great thing that like I wrestle with and I wonder if other people go through it. I realized probably in the last two years, I do not know what I would be doing in my life if it were not for white supremacy. Hmm. And that was like kind of super shocking. 
like yeah. everything in me outside of like my old hoop dreams is either explicitly or implicitly about black liberation and healing and responding like to it the in resi- in, yeah. in, in resi- what, what, what do I just do yeah. if, if that was not there I do not have an answer to that hmm have you spent a considerate amount of time thinking about that or was that like a like a thought? I think I thought pretty deeply about it and mm-hmm. I ain't getting no. Get That's what I'm asking. I'm like, what like I like I had to recognize it, right? I mean, you know, yeah. cuz cuz I've I've played with that idea cuz, you know, people have theorized that the notion of blackness, the notion of negro, the notion of nigger, the notion of hip, all of it has been defined by this oppression, by this capture, by this isolation, by this fragmentation. Our environment, which is human contorted has created these conditions for us right yeah uh, but it is external and so internally just like as a being and i guess that's where spiritual work is like important like getting into that notion of like energy and ancestry and like, or shit just hobbies yeah yeah but i don't i hate hobbies i fucking i hate hobbies. that was aggressive you hate <laughs> you hate hobbies <laughs> i do hate wow. hobbies <laughs> they're not for me <laughs> hobbies annoy me and, and tire me you what's your mean? hobbies my my hobbies are my daggone. <laughs> they're now my. That's not. Work, a, that's not different. A hobby. That's different. Is it? That's a craft. That's. I think my my spoken word is still my hobby. Mm, mm-hmm. I nah, that, no, I don't, not. not that's not the 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 vigor of hobby. That's a different. You're talking, talking about, about like thing. do you double dutch sometimes <laughs> or like yeah, do you well, put puzzles together? Yeah, like I made a fucking I made. A you shelf want the real? What I, my hobby is? Yeah, I really be building my day around like when I can get back home and sit on my couch and eat a bowl of potato chips. I put my chips in a that's bowl. That's a lifestyle. Is it? <laughs> a, that's a, that could be a... What's the definition Couch of hobby? sitting is a lifestyle. <laughs> Chip eating is a hobby. No, no, no. Chip making would be a hobby. Chip making. Mm. Mm. You're so rooted in like productivity and like gotta make a thing. No, yeah. no, I hate them. I'm, I'm anti-hobby, but I'm saying like what I'm saying I'm anti to. Dang, bro, I don't have no hobbies. That's crazy. I don't have any hobbies. Like scrapbooking is a hobby. Mm-hmm. It's something that you do without the like goal of it being professional, I think. But it's that's like, poetry for me. I don't want to do poetry professionally. Okay. That can be a hobby, right? Yeah. Look, yeah, you can do anything. You're not buying I'm this not at But you also don't have to listen to Damon's uh, yeah, definition yeah, at all yeah, or yeah, mine. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, you do <laughs> you. Do you but about, but <laughs> I, I don't. I don't define it as a hobby. Hmm. You say you don't want to do it professionally. No. It sounds yeah. like you just said that you do want to do it more professionally. I, okay, so here's the thing. Here's 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 what I don't. Let me let me just go ahead and break yeah, this down. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the button? Um, so my performance spoken word. There are people who are spoken word artists who like they're writing books. Mm, they like trying to get features yeah, around the yeah, city, yeah, outside yeah, of the city. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be a full time performer. I would like to merge poetics and film yeah. because poetry is still like a passion of mine. And so I'm trying to figure out how to like merge that with what I want to do in my life. So make it right. a part of it. But as far as like being a, a, like a famous spoken word poet, that's not me. That's not what I'm trying to do. I, I mean, no shade to them. That's probably a good decision. <laughs> <laughs> we support that. Up here. <laughs> I'm just... Oh man. So you saying if I did, if I put my mind to it, I couldn't, I no, said, I don't no, mean for you no, personally. No, 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 I'm, no, no, no. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm I want to so make that joking. very clear. <laughs> I was so not like, Christina, I've seen good. your poetry. You can't be LeBron. You can't be a poet. <laughs> it's not in the cards. I mean, I can't can. say you will probably never be on Dead Poetry Jam because it does not it exist. It doesn't exist, <laughs> Which, man. But that hasn't stopped a lot of people from trying to be. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, people been trying to get that most deaf hug. Yeah. Still. It's like, he's changed, he's changed his name. name. He's yeah. like, he's changed his name. The show doesn't exist. He doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Man, listen. Stop it. If you put your mind to it, you could do whatever. You know, uh, this is the most hater-ass episode we've ever I'm done. I'm sorry that life. I brought this vibe. No, no. Uh, we're so grateful. <laughs> Thank so you. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. We need this energy. Oh, my uh, God. Well, so let's talk up. about the things that aren't the hobbies. Let's talk yeah. about what you're making. First of all, just for folks who don't know, what's the, like, elevator pitch of regrowth and what's the, like, meaning that it holds for you in this time, in this season, in this moment? Yeah. Um. So regrowth is a community engagement and short film project on the west side of Chicago about redevelopment and community entrepreneurship. It's mm-hmm. the it's the log line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what it is, it's about East Garfield Park, which is a neighborhood as we know that has just historically been disinvested in. Um, it has like a deep history. It used to be one of the um, most bustling business districts before um, the riots in 1968. Right, um, everything burned down and it never got rebuilt. And till recently, at the top of this year, there was a multi-million dollar food incubator that was just dropped in East Garfield Park, like literally on a vacant lot that had been vacant for ages um, where people used to hang out. You know, It's on Lake and Kedzie, Lake and Kimball, mm-hmm. Lake and Homan. Yeah, like Kedzie, Kedzie, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, the hatchery. The project isn't to like diss the hatchery, you know, like I think actually they're doing great work. But it's about to like evaluate why now <laughs> And also community members have been, like, investing in their own community for for years um, aside from this. And so it follows three characters. Do you guys know of Wallace's Catfish House that's on the west side? I've driven past. Where's it at? Uh, it's on Madison. In Ca- Madison, I'm not going to screw up the intersection. Mm-hmm. But um, it used to be one of the only, like, sit-down restaurants in East Garfield Park. Hmm. Um, it closed down about three years ago and a gentleman by the name of Anton Hilton uh, purchased the place and is going to reopen it as a food hall, as a place for people to get healthy uh, food and produce because they don't have access to that in that community. You got to love an Anton. <laughs> Antons be out here holding it down. Antons be fucking shit up. <laughs> Making the spot hot for Antons. The and they got to get it, you know. It all shot. comes down to the W. <laughs> <laughs> or the I. You never know. Antons are sneaky. They, they get that is hilarious <laughs> But Antons. I will let Anton know that he's like, you know, he the, got the fans world, out the here. World, the world, you know. Needs more Antons. Yeah. The world doesn't treat him right. <laughs> I feel some of that with like a, a Damon to Damien. Damien, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's y'all got beef. To, that, like, is it, oh, 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 deep, man. deep beef. I've 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 healed and like restored and like yeah. I, I let it go. Yeah. But that was one of the major offenses calling yeah. me Damien mm. of like the first twelve to fifteen years of my life. I'd yeah. say it happens three times a week when I'm around you. People say it constantly. Mm. See, Do you I didn't correct people? Because I don't correct people. Not anymore. You say my name I said, wrong. I did. I yeah. was going to ask. You should ask me. <laughs> I don't. Co- but I don't. Is it how would you, how is it say Rosita? correct? With a harder S. Yes. And I said Rosita. Yes, but everybody you calls softened me your that. S? I don't know why people. Call, why? Do, let's. So let, let's wait, 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 wait. Oh, let's say it correctly away. and say it incorrectly. So, Rosita. Yes. No, no, no. Let her do it. <laughs> 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 Did you used to be a teacher? He's not credible in this. This is literally my nightmare. <laughs> no. The lanes that I've gone on this show, yeah, not yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I, no, I'm in it with this fear. We, we yeah, both yeah, have it's this. It's literally like, it's my name now at yes, this point. Yes. But correct, Rosita. 
incorrect Rosita. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, people put a little twist on it, a little spunk that's not there. I don't <laughs> got that spunk. <laughs> Two Z's all of a sudden. Yeah, it's like, where the Z's come yeah, from? Yeah, and then, like, a lot of people will make the assumption that maybe I'm Hispanic, and so mm. they'll say the S-I like a Z. I was about like, to make yeah. that joke, but I was not sure that you were not, and it would have been really inappropriate <laughs> if you were. <laughs> so, yeah, so a lot of people, and then, I mean, I've had people come up to me because of my name. I used to work um, in high school at, like, a department store, mm. and they will speak Spanish to me, and then I'm like, I don't, I don't speak Spanish, and they were like, Rosita! And I'm just like, I'm sorry, my mama was being creative. <laughs> I don't, I can't. She's not Latina, she's creative. <laughs> Literally, I'm so sorry. But yeah, I don't know how we just got there. I think I think I was the, talking about Anton. Okay, Anton. I had I think another the mispronunciation is Rosa. I get Rashida and then people think mm. I'm Muslim. Yeah, I mean I've, I've yeah. of many different things, guys. I can see you getting a lot of Rashidas out Yeah. There. Yeah. Back to But Anton. back to Anton, Anton do, doing the damn doing thing. And a sincere work. apology for not asking <laughs> before we went on the air. It's okay. Um, so I'm following his journey of rebuilding this space. I have two other characters, Gina and Angela. They both own community gardens in East Garfield hmm. Park. East Garfield Park has a 30-plus community garden network, um, mm. which a lot of people don't realize. There's yeah. so many freaking community gardens in, in uh, on the west side. And you said you said re- the word restorative. We weren't talking about this, but you said that word. The oh, in relation to, to Damien's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it all, it all brought us back, you know. It all brought us back. <laughs> so regrowth is meant to be a restorative narrative. I'm actually doing it as a part of a fellowship with Ivo, Images and Voices of Hope, and they mm. focus on funding cool. stories of, um, like, redemptive stories. So not focusing on, you know, you can say all of these things and people do about the west side or the south side of Chicago. We're not even getting into that. It's about people who love their community, who are investing into their community. And um, what does that redevelopment look like and how do we do it without gentrifying our area? Let's go deeper on the the uh, the concept of restoration or restoring uh, for you and your vision. Right. And I know. It's it's difficult because you are are documenting or amplifying a community. You don't want to like put on top of the community what you think. Yeah. But I want you to do that right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so either what does it mean to restore or what needs to be restored? What needs to be restored for the west side of Chicago, specifically for East Garfield Park, is this narrative that it's a empty community like when you drive through it um when you first look at it you may see a lot of like vacant lots in empty buildings no businesses what i want to do is give a a portrayal of this community where you see people outside enjoying the land you see people gardening and pouring into the land you see people just in community with one another fellowship and yeah. fellowshipping right um because like we don't see that like we just don't see it enough um or when and we do it's lot. not valued it's stigmatized yeah it's that is vagrancy or even when we do see it it's still against the like the sad story of you know of what's happening in in black communities right. which needs to be told there's a place for that as well there's also a place for like it's just like the need for black joy. Like black people can be happy and like where they live also. Yeah. I was thinking a lot about when you were talking, I think I've talked about this on this show before, but this scholar Eve Tuck has this, uh, and it applies for like academics doing research, documentarians, journalism, but it's rather than showing like damage-based narratives or research, mm. desire-based Damn. narratives or research. So it's less about 
showing all the things that aren't there, all the yeah. things. Usually it's not even all the things that have been taken away. It's just all the things that aren't there. Yeah. Uh, and more about like the things that people want and need and are working toward. Mm-hmm. And then that's the distance between where they are and what they need and how can you contribute to that. Yeah, that's very similar to what Ivo kind of like preaches. Because the whole, you know, the, the, um, the damage-based model, what it's saying is like, the, the, the deal of it was a community that has experienced harm or violence or lack or is missing the tools they need to be okay is mm-hmm. in that language. They make a deal with a documentarian or a research with the idea that if they show the things that are missing, that person will take that information to people who have and they'll give it what they need. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that what happens is those people take that information and they bring it to people who understand that lack as what it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. right? They, they don't view the person who's missing the thing as human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, it's not mm-hmm. without There's that humanizing lens. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you show the desire, so those are shared human emotions, right? Yeah. If someone wants the ability to take care of their family and is working toward that, that's something that is like a desire that is shared mm-hmm. rather than look at how different this person's experience is. You should try to make it more like yourself. So that's, yeah. that's so interesting. I have so, I have so many thoughts. I want to hear yours first. Yeah. What, what is what that? Do, what, what, that rings true with kind no, of no, the no. framework. Yeah, that's exactly what, cause um, at the beginning of the fellowship, we went through this like four day training about what a restorative narrative is mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And I realized like I've been wanting and I have, well, I guess I've had the desire because in TV news, you can't tell no restorative narratives. You get one minute and that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But my, I've been wanting to tell restorative narratives this entire time. I just didn't mm-hmm. have a name for it. And what you're describing is exactly what, what we're trying to do with the film is to kind of give you that humanizing perspective. Because the truth is people connect more with that. Right. right? And more action comes more when people connect. Yeah. So who do you want to see the, the film? I want the film to reach communities um, that are similar to East Garfield Park, um, other communities in, on the west side of Chicago, other communities on the south side, but just communities all over, right, that have this, this same narrative, that have this lack. I want it to almost be like a how-to guide hmm. to rebuild without the backing of your city or without the backing of big businesses all the time. Right. And how can you take what you have and how do you take your resources and put them together in the community so that you beautify your own community so that you redevelop your own community. Right. Hmm. The idea of like documentary as guidelines or how to is a cool, you know, it's useful. Yeah. That's beautiful. So what are some ways as a filmmaker thinking about that being who you want to be your perceived audience. Mm. How has it been shaping your craft? I'm not sure how to answer that, to be honest. Um, That's give okay. your thoughts and let me think about oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, what, yeah, what, yeah. A, Good, what a deferral there. You're, you're a pro at this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's that news trainer right there. <laughs> We're going to toss this over to Byron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that, that language was just really striking of, of the uh, framing the dichotomy of damage and desire because when I heard you bringing up the idea... I was projecting like language of like lack or scarcity based stories versus like possibility or abundance, mm-hmm. right? But those things are so external and, and could be passive, right? Like right. lack or scarcity could uh, happen naturally, mm-hmm. right? right? But damage connotes some some activity. And so there's something really tempting about wanting to have accountability for the damage that's done and wanting to like display it, address it and, and, and critique it. But then the, the idea of desire as opposed to need or abundance, right. that is also something that's very active and very subjective. So I'm just sh- 
struck by that. And then the tendency of damage-based projections, I think, of black communities goes back again to our ahistorical understanding, I think, of civil rights movement. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think how much that has shaped our consciousness around like progress, change, and racial dynamics because like the invention of news was coming out basically around the time where the movement was happening and the idea of let's portray to the world the damage mm-hmm. that this right. apartheid regime to, will do with us. Which was galvanized. You know, that's how they, yeah. uh, that Emmett Till's story is like the kind of central example of that, of like harnessing news media mm-hmm. to, you know, get but, people to care. But to, you, to the parallel, to the point of projecting then also has two folds, right? Like, it does not allow us to see some of the desires, but also to a certain audience can reinforce, right? Like, right, That's people, what you think is supposed to happen, right? Th- these are supposed to get sprayed with the hose. These right. are supposed to get mm-hmm. be- beat the shit out of at this counter yeah. and spit on, right? And, and, and It the, reinforces. The civil rights era is the projection of, oh, look at us taking these people to jail. This is where law and order comes from, right? So the, the image of putting someone in handcuffs comes from, look at the damage they're doing to us through like martyrdom and it had its value yeah. but also I think ha- had some limitations and also like projecting it out of that time or perpetuating out of that time it doesn't uh, it nah. needs to go deeper <laughs> right that's what restorative yeah. narrative does it goes deeper mm-hmm. than like this because that's just really surface level you see you're seeing what's happening what's it, which is very important mm-hmm. in the day to day situation and obviously in news you don't have the time to tell a restorative narrative like right. you don't have the structure to and that's a whole nother problem for, we could discuss but the restorative narrative is to give context to the issue yeah. like and not just see the issue because you're right if people believe what they believe then it just reinforces like yeah. yeah having seen the sausage made can you stomach watching the news because i've only eaten it and it makes me sick no i cannot and i have friends i have <laughs> my close friends like we all graduated from j school together they're still like news reporters some of them are anchors now and hmm. they'll upload clips and i just i just click through them. <laughs> i don't want to hear you talk like this one of my biggest <laughs> issues is like oh my god if y'all play Ooh, can my, you do it can, I, can, can you still got the voice no <laughs> I was just about to say, if you played my newsreel, which is still on my website, like you're just like, who is this? Come on, who is this Come on, person? If, no, if, well, you, if, truly, if you don't want, I don't even it's like. Oh man, that's entertaining. <laughs> I just have been so far away from it. it. No, no, I get, I get it. what I you're get saying. It. I've been there. Yeah. Oh my god, you, I don't even like to think that. Why was I talking <laughs> like that? It, is it different in a? Because you were near your hometown when mm-hmm. you were, so. Do you know of any differences between, like, a smaller city and a place like Chicago where the news is so politicized and... I think it's the same everywhere uh-huh. in the in the grand scheme of, like, TV news. I'm talking very specifically about TV news. Yeah. I yeah. think that, um, like, print journalism still has its issues but is a little bit better. TV news just runs so quickly yeah. that you... you even if for me, like I wanted to do justice to my stories, but I literally had a five o'clock deadline. Yeah, yeah. Even if you want to, you can't. So I'm specifically trash talking TV news, but I think it's the same. Mm-hmm. And it's now it's same. become consolidated. Everybody you know, Sinclair owns, owns all these companies my, and makes them read things on the air man, on their local news. So. I dipped out the moment the Sinclair deal for my station hmm. went through. They finalized the purchase and then like I turned in my like my notice. Wow. And was it indirect <laughs> response to that? It, that was in, in part. Out. Yeah. It was just hmm. I was just like this is ridiculous. Like yeah. wow. So I want to talk about some of what we were talking about with the like desire based and the framings and put that in this moment because you know in the last two weeks Three weeks, six months, year, two years, the conversation around and media coverage around the border 
mm-hmm. has been this, um, mm. you know, to be in the meta narrative of like, how do we tell that story? Mm-hmm. There's been so much conversation about that, right? Similarly to like when, you know, after Philando Castile is shot mm-hmm. and trying to figure like, what do we do with these videos? What do we mm-hmm. do with all this? Mm-hmm. But we're at the point right now where the only move that is being made at the border from a media standpoint is look at how terrible these conditions are. And I don't, I can't tell if it's working, working. or not. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it works on me in making me feel like this is unacceptable, but it doesn't work on me in making me figure out what to do. Like, mm-hmm. It just feels way too big and too atrocious to like have some yeah. sense of tools. So, but but that is the point. Is like the best that they can do right now is put a picture of the most inhumane conditions in front of people. Yeah. What do y'all think? Yeah, <laughs> I don't I have a question. Have, that's such a good point because, and I'm, I'll keep going back to this training because a part of the restorative narrative and me saying I want the film to be a tool for people is that in restorative narratives you give people a way forward. Mm, like right. it's almost your responsibility as the storyteller, as the journalist, as the hmm. filmmaker to find tools and ways in which hmm. like the story doesn't stop once it's published or the, it doesn't stop mm. once the film goes off. It's like, all right, I watched this or I read this. Now I know what to do. I know what actions I can take. Hmm. Um, That's deep. That's deep. Because like in restorative process, in like the social sense of like responding to harm, mm-hmm. a restorative process is only successful if it outlines paths towards reentry. Yeah. Right. And so thinking about that in terms of narrative craft is really interesting. So in saying that, like, I agree with you. I'm not sure, like, what these pictures are doing. I actually had saw a conversation on social media about like, stop sharing these pictures if anything they're causing harm to like undocumented communities who have to see this on the internet every time that they log in yeah it's just been a conversation there's so many different ways to look at it i don't know how to move forward after seeing those pictures either you know um and the pictures don't help me figure that out i i now am reinforced in my belief that this is effed up i knew that six months ago i knew that a year but i didn't know it in 2015 Mm. when they were doing the same shit yeah. So there is some merit, you know, mm-hmm. I am more aware now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, it has been not to make it about the emotional toll of it, but like of a fucking loss. And it's yeah. like this is the thing. But that <laughs> that is the most unacceptable and I feel us communally accepting it and it's fucking terrifying. And I think that that type of reporting I personally don't believe it causes action. The stories that go viral that like people respond to and help the people in need are the like very focused human interest stories where there's like a face you can put to it and they someone started a GoFundMe now and right. now these family's not homeless anymore. Those are the stories that like mm-hmm. get action. These group pictures of people in cages make us sad. Yeah. But there's no there's there's not a lot of action. I don't know. That's what do you, know. what what do you, you think, think, Dame? I have such a complicated perspective to it. I know that's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, because one, right now, just to place myself, I don't see them because I don't get on Facebook and Twitter, mm. and luckily, like my Insta- and, and I don't engage me. So I know that it's happening. I see people talking about it. I see like the discourse, uh, but I'm not like being provoked with the images. Hmm. Um, so for me, you know, I, I've, I've made, it's now become intentional that like, in terms of any of the carceral state, 
I am not just like subjecting myself to the display of its harms <laughs> as an abolitionist now. And, and so at one point I needed to see the death. I needed to, see, it, it provoked right. me to action. Uh, and then once I was acting, uh, I then felt the responsibility to be informed and to help other people be aware that these things were happening. Uh, but then it, it got to a place internally where like, you know, I am an abolitionist. I, this is how I see myself. So now just seeing the harms and seeing the fact that like, the things I'm working towards aren't happening yet or things are getting worse is definitely not helpful for me. So it is, it is complicated because you're right. Engaging the images of state violence provoked me to a place where now I'm in opposition to it. Now that I am there seeing more of it just like makes the load and the, like I couldn't, I had to turn when they see us off and I don't think I'll watch it for many years. Right. And, And so you know, the same thing with the stuff on, on you know, in terms of the immigration crisis and, and, and the, you know, border incarceration. I don't need to see people in cages, but I will show up or will be a part of mm-hmm. coalition or work to mobilize and to be active. And I think people should engage it. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I think that's a good response because the people who need to see it can see it. And the people who don't need to see it, like you said, you don't need to see yeah. it because you're aware we're in a but they need to exist. Like the fo- like documentation has to exist regardless right. because we need to document <clears throat> this for historical purposes and for like moving forward purposes and organizing purposes. Like we need to know what's going on. Right. Yeah. So I think I can't see it one because of just like the visceral trigger of it, but one two because the way that it is then framed. Right. Like back to hating TV news, seeing somebody without an analysis trying to display imp- it, that it's really crazy. like affects me and angers yeah. me yeah i mean the just like well they're coming from hell you know yeah just just which the, is basically what they yeah hearing said. don lemon talk about anything even if he's <laughs> technically saying the right thing is going to make me mad and just no one will ever talk about u.s involvement in these countries mm-hmm. that's the you know no this just happened out of a vacuum and they won't even talk about even if you don't want to talk about the u.s shit talk about the politics there talk about what's happening there as opposed to it's just a lawless terrible place for no reason because mm-hmm. they're savages and we're the beacon you know? of hope there's you know? literally no context given ever. yeah all right. that shit. but to to the, to the question of should it be done i'm now in a place where like i don't get like just mainstream liberal conservative society right so like <laughs> people have their heads up to their ass in ways that like i can't fully process anymore mm-hmm. um so maybe those people need to be smacked right in the like face what did organizers see when they looked at the picture of Emmett Till, right? Like, right, they right. knew. Right, mm-hmm. right, 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 right. How were they... People you know, have been doing anti-lynching campaigns for 20 years. They didn't, that picture... Seeing this did, 14-year-old yeah. boy is like, you know... But for some people, it was like, oh, shit, I gotta do something now. But did it actually... Like, again, to the ahistorical... I don't know. I, this is a mess, and it, but I think I mean, it's important. Yeah, it's a good Why question. do we keep wanting to make you talk about the civil rights movement? Is, just, is the question <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> There's nothing in your bio. That we're forcing this on you. It's we're so, so sorry to you and all the people you that support said, you. You've said listen. civil rights maybe like eight times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's all good. Critiquing it every it time. All, <laughs> it all comes like everything is it's relative to it, I guess. It I'm really sorry. Is. No, it's fine. Wild. That's really funny. <laughs> you just want to talk about the news and your piece and how you're a poet, but you're not a poet. And we, <laughs> and we oh, keep trying to talk God. about SNCC and CORE. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Um, yeah. But yeah. So to that to that point, let's go back to the craft question. Yes, let's go back. to Where the craft. are you? Forget about the the reference and how is shaping it. Like, okay. As a filmmaker, 
what is the part that energizes you? Um, what is the part that energizes? Inter, inter I put a T in there. Mm-hmm. Energizes well, me. Like um, here's quick. I know I asked you a question. I'm going to interrupt you one more <laughs> yeah, time, and then uh-huh. I promise. My girlfriend Rosie, shout out to Rosie, put me on to in the movie Valentine's Day, which mm-hmm. is an ensemble cast romantic comedy with Will Smith, right? No. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, the reason i bring it up is because jamie fox is a news anchor ah there we go and he just with no explanation just goes and in santa monica (laughs) as a t and they just move on and that was like before i saw the movie rosie like loved saying santa monica and i was like oh it's got to be like a joke in the movie that they (laughs) No, it's just he says it and they move on but anyway what energizes me as a filmmaker Oh my goodness, these are such self-reflective questions. Yeah. I obviously need to go sit on my couch more. <laughs> I get so much joy uh like being in community with people. And for me, like I like to see it as a partnership because nobody can tell. I, I hate the phrase like giving voice to yeah. the voiceless. Yeah, yeah. Um obviously people aren't voiceless. Yeah, you're just giving them a microphone. <laughs> you're just giving them a microphone. <laughs> so it's more of a partnership. And so I get to be in community with and why I I think transition even more so out of news is that I couldn't build community off of those stories because it was just a day by day like deadline thing. Yeah. I've been working on this since December of last year and so this is my community now. Like right. I built community with these people and so that's what energizes me i don't be wanting to wake up sometimes and go film like yeah. i don't feel like like i be having her anton always takes me back he owe me a text message right now Come on, like, anton. <laughs> Live like up to i'm the trying potential to schedule a shoot really and anton is just not hitting me back <laughs> and that annoys me right but that's a part of work yeah you know what i'm saying but once i get there it's like well i'm happy i'm in east garfield park today yeah. you know like i'm happy i'm doing this today with with anton or i'm i'm chilling in the garden with gina yeah. um so that's that's really what keeps it going. Hmm. Here's something I can offer to the voice to the voiceless thing because I think a lot of us have recognized the limits of. of Everybody that still be saying that though. People need to stop saying that. Why? Do, where does it even come We're from? Giving them a voice. It comes from it comes from um, arrogance, individualism, and like middle class sensibility of I am more. Yeah. And, and like that's the way it gets perpetuated and like some yeah. like savior complex shit. What you're bringing is ears. You're bringing listeners. Yeah. Like the person had the voice. People, people just weren't listening, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you have a position, you can maybe bring more ears. Right. But you're not bringing the voice. Yeah. So in build in building those types of relationships with the people who you're getting on camera, you know, we talk a lot about like how do you build dialogue in this form? Mm-hmm. But for you with a camera, that can be challenging in different ways. Are there any like tangible tools or just ways that you think about it mm-hmm. that are like, hey, I know I'm holding up a camera, but I'm in this with you and I'm trying to flatten the power dynamic between us? Yeah, it's difficult. And I have I go back and forth with it in myself, like <laughs> putting a camera in people's faces. I go back and forth with it. It's it's something I, I love, like storytelling and the medium I'm choosing is is film. But I try to make sure I have at least a little bit of a relationship with people before I bring my camera out, which yeah. a lot of people don't do. So a, a lot of people do that, but some people don't. Some people just show up um, on the first day ready to film, and that's just not how you can do that. You have to allow trust, a little bit of trust to form. You have to allow relationship to form before you whip the camera out because the camera does compromise things and it compromises it more if you don't have a relationship with your characters first Mm -hmm. i've spent hours with anton without 
um, without filming. Shout out to Anton. Anton just be wanting to talk too. Like <laughs> I'll call him mm-hmm. to try to schedule a shoot day, and we'll be on the phone for an hour talking about like all the work he has to do and like why he's like upset yeah. that day. But that's a part of it. And and sometimes I'll get off of the phone. I'm like, dang, like I can't get that hour back. I got hella stuff to do. Yeah. But then it's just like, no, that's part of the process yeah. too. That's important as well. And so the only like tangible thing I can say as far as like tools. Are um, ways in which I try to lessen the burden of putting a camera in someone's face and asking them to still be authentic is that to, is to build relationship first yeah. and build that into your timeline. Because mm. if you got a deadline of of May and you just hitting your characters up in February, you got to put the camera in their face right, in February. Right. But mm. like build that into your timeline. Hmm. Yeah. So that's part of the like production plan yeah it <laughs> needs like to be. be a person mm-hmm. be was, a person there was yeah. something else you were talking i don't know if it was new i feel like it was i feel like this is the third time you've talked about time and that's something i've been wrestling with we move too fast oh my god Everything. oh my god this project's been a labor of love Everything. i am not used to working on something for this long hmm. it has been so hard for me hmm. because i sit around and i think i'm not filming today i haven't done any editing today mm-hmm. i haven't talked to my characters in a week and it's just like that's not the pace, and that's why I'm I moved into like a different format. It's because that's not the pace in which films move. Some people be shooting films for like five years. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So I'm just like, we have received a calm down. It's okay. It's gonna yeah. get done. Nobody looks like this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in that relationship that you build with the people who you're filming, how much is that you- a jersey dress? No. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Uggs. <laughs> do you ever think about how they see you, or how how do you think about that mm. relationship? Mm. Man, Daniel, you're asking great you questions. You own today. it today. This, this is just literally what I spend all my time thinking about. Is because I'm on this side of the table and a guest <laughs> is there. Yeah, and, and yeah. it's weird for me because I'm normally on mm-hmm. your side, and so mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know how to answer questions. I can ask you some questions. No, um, that was a big rule for us. Or yeah. Realization, I'll say, is like, wow, if we're gonna ask someone a question, we should be willing to answer it too. Mm. I can speak like in specific terms to the regrowth project. I know Anton thinks I'm just like all over the place all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gina thinks I'm her grandchild. Uh, mm. Every time I go there, she won't let me leave without food. Like <laughs> I was go, I was leaving her house and I was going to work, and she was like, "Have you eaten?" And I'm like, "No." And she literally chopped me up strawberries and bananas and put it in a bowl and then put it in like a paper bag. She's and, like, and we, was, "We getting these legs ready for gargantuan." <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then I don't know. I feel like. 90 minute callback yeah yeah. <laughs> I f- yeah I feel like there was a dearth in your diet oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> oh it's happening we're here full effect Ergo Radio oh hit us up at Ergo Radio I appreciate it I appreciate it it means that y'all are listening when you can do yeah, yeah. That, cause that was a smooth hour ago almost we're listening so well that we can interrupt you yeah. effectively an hour later <laughs> Just trying to make you laugh. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess that's a good question because I never actually thought about how, how my characters see me, hmm. which is important. Because I, I just I think about it a lot because if we're talking about building relationship, like mm-hmm. maybe other people don't in the other relationships in their life think about how the person they're in relationships with. I constantly am thinking about like how the other like friends and family mm-hmm. are like, yeah. you know, it's a two way relationship. It is, and. Yeah. Sometimes when in media, when people talk, all the talk about community building and, and relationship building and all that, and in organizing too, that awareness of, and even if you don't know actually, getting to the point where you can ask like, hey, like, 
I have this conception of what this relationship is, but mm. what does it mean for you? Just the transparency of it mm. is a tricky thing. Yeah. Um, do you have a way that you hope they see you? Oh, yeah, I can. Yeah, I I hope that they see me not as like a member of the media. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because I had. You know, back when I was reporting, that was always the issue <laughs> is because I pulled up in my news channel 12 car and hopped out when there was a shooting and that was it. But because of who I am, I wanted to be like, no, guys, like it's me. It's Reseda. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And, and I was reporting very like near to my hometown. So I grew up with these people <laughs> and um, they still were like, nah, Reseda, we, <laughs> you, we ain't talking to you. God, so <laughs> I'm like, yeah. but it's me. And so like. You don't sound like a, you. <laughs> <laughs> Are they dubbing oh, you? Oh, my God, man. Oh, man. Yeah. I couldn't even get my homies from high school to talk on camera when like <laughs> something popped off. Uh, like they were just like, you 12 now. And I was just like, you right. I mean, yeah. I am. Yeah. CBS. Literally. So anyway, that's how I I don't want them to see me like that. How did you? But how do you want them to see you? I want them to see me so. as like, and I I hate that I've used this word so many times, and I'll find another word for it, but like a member of their community, like right. a a partner almost, yeah. because mm-hmm. it's again, it's a partnership in telling their story. I don't yeah. know how to tell your story better than you. Yeah, help me figure this out. Yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. How did you introduce yourself? As Rosita, and they're like, Rosita. is that like a snark? <laughs> no, no, but like to to the idea of what you, how you want it to be received. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm like, how did you present in terms of? Yeah, uh, this is the interest in the project. You want to ingratiate yourself or build partnership with the community yeah. as a non-resident or a mm-hmm. non-like yeah. grow up there. So yeah. how did you frame it? Exactly. It was it. something like that. So I remember getting coffee um, at Inspiration Kitchen with Anton the first time we met, and just telling him. You know, like, I didn't grow up on the west side of Chicago. This is my community because it's a black community, but it's also not my community because I didn't grow up here. I'm not even from Chicago. Yeah. You're the expert here. This is the story idea. Like, how do you think is the best way? Like, how, how should we do this? And again, treating it more so as a letting my characters know they have a say in it. Mm. I think a lot of storytellers, journalists, filmmakers don't do that they're a question of like you know you get into the ethics of all of this stuff but letting people know that you have a say in the way that your story is told and we can do it together so i think i introduced myself like that yeah that's beautiful yeah and it it like shapes every interaction after that yeah exactly and i think one thing i actually said this i was at a media summit for ivo last week i started doing this two years ago when i was doing a fellowship with city bureau Shout out. Uh, sh- yeah, shout out to City Bureau. They're yeah. doing like real life work. I sit down and the first question I ask a person I'm doing a story on is now, what would you like to get out of this story? Mm. And I never used to do that. And then I started realizing, oh my God, that's such an important question because like, otherwise I'm just taking mm-hmm. and like yeah. getting what I need from you and then I'm going about my business. But if we can figure out, is there a way you can get something out of this too? And how can I help you get there? Then that is like, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, that is. In that spirit, as we wrap, what we're doing is creating this archive, right, of people and the work that they're doing in this moment in this city. What's something that you want to make sure is in the archive about you? Mm. 
I do not like talking about myself. <laughs> I just really don't like it. I just would rather just go do something uh-huh. and then like people can see what I'm doing, uh-huh. but I don't want to talk about it. Here um, we come. <laughs> <laughs> you showed up. I did. I'm here. So welcome, obviously. So wel- must... Welcome to our hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't talk a lot about People Say, which is open mic on 79th mm-hmm. Cottage that I do every month uh, with Trap House Chicago. Shout out to Trap House Chicago. Mm-hmm. My homie Mashine. I moved to Chicago. Um, first neighborhood was Hyde Park. Started doing City Bureau and was doing restorative justice reporting on the West Side, which is how my work is still in the West Side in a way. But I met Mashine because Trap House is a restorative justice hub on the South Side. And so he was a, a part of one of the people I was interviewing for my story. Hmm. And I walked into Trap House, which was then on Ashland. And I just was like, this a dope space. And he did not know me did not like me. <laughs> oh, my God. He just thought I was, like, a reporter because I was doing reporting on the court, the restored justice court. Mm. And he was a consultant with the court, and he was just not with it. Like, he did not like me. He did not like the reporters. <laughs> and um, I know it's a lack of, like, open mics further south. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, mm, we should do an open mic. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I just moved here. And then I met Mashan and literally was just like, you should let me do an open mic here. And he's like, okay, crazy lady who just walked in. <laughs> and then a month later, I showed up with like a Google Doc of like the plan. And he was just like, okay. And then we started talking. <laughs> Mashan is my best friend now, by the way. He did, we joke, we tell the story all the time. He does, he did not like me. Anyway, so Something fast forward. With Google Doc. Yeah. <laughs> Just someone just like getting it done, just like here, here's what I think. Literally, it has to start with a Google Doc. No other way. Step one, create the Google Doc. Um, So we created uh, People Say Together, and um, it was important. Like I wanted to start an open mic, like I wanted to do this film on the west side, but I had to find community partners like from those areas because I still recognize my role as an outsider coming into Chicago. So everything I do, I try to do it with a a community partner. Mm -hmm. So I found Mashan, who was like the perfect person, and we started People Say um, a year and like six months ago, so January 2018. And DJ Empathy was a DJ. It's a funny story, actually. It was the least, <laughs> not from anything on your part, just on my part, the least successful DJing because <laughs> all of my software just stopped working about five minutes. And it was also the, the one month, like 20, like 15 people tops came. Uh-huh. It was very small. <laughs> so and bad. I literally, like, software just froze. I rebooted nothing. It just wouldn't play any music. Oh, that's the environment where I thrive. What is but, you, but you have to DJ. No, 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 no. Not from your position. If oh. I was in the room oh, and you yeah. were having that problem, there was only 15 people there, I would have thrived. Yeah, mm. well, you should have been there. You I know. Came, I was man. not. I should have <laughs> come. I should have come. I, I will. It was we a made rough. It, it, we did. It ended up being one of those real intimate, yeah. like, Yeah, you cool. did like a, like a workshop. None yeah, of this is working. Let's yeah. make it work. Yeah. Me and Michelle were, like, crying in the bag. Like, nothing's going right. <laughs> I feel so much more comfortable <laughs> when things are going right for other people. It's like, oh, okay. Now I can be my full self. Let's let's get to this. I'm about to get my shit off. So what does it look? what does people say look like now? Trap House is in a new uh, location. It's on 79th and Cottage. It looks like just this beautiful gathering of, like, Southside folks. Um, it's an open mic, but it's also, like, kind of the club now. Like, mm. me and Sean put up these red light bulbs, so it's, like, this red Ooh. light special vibe going on. Um, we end every every session with the, like, cypher at the end for, like, folks who didn't make it onto the list because they be getting super mad if they don't make it onto the list. You know how that goes. Mm. Um, and so we have, like, a... 
community cipher at the end of each open mic and it's just dope i'm really at all in like the space that was created so i have i have one final like real question and then we can make a collective decision to, to live our lives how we want uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, that sounds good so so i think you you described a pattern right of of like coming to a new space coming to a new environment and of being able to understand the value of but also having the skills and the like composition to do the work of interacting and creating those relationships and building that trust. Mm. And it seems like you've done it very quickly and very successfully. Hmm. What do you attribute or what has grounded you to be doing that so well? Man. I know we don't feel like we do it well. I don't want to talk about myself. (laughs) No, but that's a good question. We figured by like an hour and a half we would have broken you down. (laughs) No, I just be like, nah. I'm so used to talking about other people Uh because I'm a reporter. (laughs) Uh Those are the best people to talk about. (laughs) So, um, yeah, people, even one of my close friends was like, Rasita, how long have you been in Chicago? So I've been in Chicago for two and a half years. He's like, you walk around Chicago like you grew up here. Like, Mm -hmm. we thought you were been here for like 10 Mm -hmm. years. I'm like, no, y'all. I just got here. I really have just been blessed to be put in circles with like really strong community people you know what i'm saying like back home no i'm talking about here Uh. like starting out in chicago and doing city bureau like just set me up if i moved here and didn't immediately do city bureau Hmm. honestly i would be figuring things out differently but i i started city bureau i got into their community and they're just connected all over the city their whole thing is community right Mm -hmm. and then like i met one of my closest friends charles uh Mm -hmm. preston who's just like also just all over the city Mm -hmm. as far Mm -hmm. as community Mm -hmm. building goes and like he's my best friend now and through him i met other people who are and so it's less me maybe it's like a small percentage of me in the spirit of trying to give ourselves credit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but it's also more about the spaces I've been so fortunate to be in and the people who have been around them. Because people say, yes, it's my open mic that I started, that I host. However, it wouldn't have the vibe if it wasn't at Trap House. Mm-hmm. I just brought myself, you know what I'm saying? And a Google Doc. <laughs> exactly. The organizing <laughs> part of it. Because Sean was not good at that. We, we partner well. Okay. Uh, um, so, yeah, I think I attribute it to the, to the people that I've met in the spaces. City Bureau. Like, it's, honestly, City Bureau, all of this trickled out. Because I met Sean through a story I was reporting on for yeah, City right, Bureau. You right, know what I'm saying? Right, it's crazy right. how things connect. Yeah. I met you through um, Dave. Yeah, through Dave. Actually, yeah. I was going to bring up this story because it's, I think, a perfect example. So I was DJing at Dave Ellis's birthday. Mm-hmm. That was the where we met. Thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, <laughs> Charles was performing. <laughs> I forgot about it. And he was wearing this, like, very, like, <laughs> oh, he was out there. FLY leather oh, jacket. Oh, my God, bro. And uh, in the middle of his performance, he put his hand in his pocket. <laughs> And it got stuck. <laughs> and he play, was trying to play it he off. Like it he up. was just like standing there cool. <laughs> but we had both. I was we, were the, the, we were like the only ones who noticed. And I didn't That's know. So we, we, we had not been introduced. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. And the it whole was too time, hot. So I like kind of like stayed the in the office The two of us just bit. kept looking at each other. That's fucking like, Oh my God, he's, here. he's, he's like, <laughs> say a line, turn, like for emphasis. And he's like, try to like, yeah, you can say it. Did y'all talk to him about it? Fam. Oh yeah, yes. oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, so, uh, Jack is a little small. Huh? <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. Yes, that was our first interaction. Yeah, and, That's funny. And the fact that I knew, I, I, this is one of my favorite like tells of whether a person's like a genuine cool, like I could like look to you and neither of us were being mean. 
but we were like, oh, we are in on the cosmic joke yeah, yeah. Oh together right now. That was and so funny. And the funniest funny. part was I was so unbelievably smacked at that, <laughs> at that function. Was I was way too smacked. That like, was crazy. I, oh, my God. I was like so high trying to figure out why I'm his hand wouldn't come out. He's, and he's, <laughs> and he, he also like performed for like a really yeah, long yeah. time. He did a long yeah. time. He was up there for like eight minutes. Yeah. Borderline making things up as he went. <laughs> Freestyling. Bam. You and don't he, know. I needed you. I needed that connection because yeah. I was so high that I was like in my own head. You know when you like just uh, too high, you yeah, need somebody like, to be there like, with is you. He, what's going on? <laughs> Did he lose a hand? Like what's going on? I needed someone else to tell me I wasn't tripping yeah, that yeah, Charles's yeah. hand was stuck <laughs> in his coat and that coat was too small. <laughs> <laughs> that was what we needed in the, in the record. That's yes. hilarious. Um, so thank you for being there in that moment. Thank you for being here with us in today. Let's do just a real quick checkout. What's an idea, a feeling, something we talked about that's sticking in your head from this conversation? And we'll all go. Yeah, I think what sticks out is a dearth, gargantuan <laughs> civil rights movement. Um, no, seriously, I just think we said the word community and I said partnership so many times. So like working yeah. with one another to reach our goals, um, even when we were talking about Standing Rock, even when we were talking about, like, the pictures at, that we've been seeing at the border and what does that mean and what type of action, I think it all goes back to, like, working with each other to yeah. figuring shit out. Yeah. What about you, Dan? Well, as Stokely Carmichael said in 1969, oh I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> he went to my high school. <laughs> Stokely Where Carmichael went to my high school, Bronx High School of Science. Um, one, one, you're just delightful, and I really enjoy talking with you, and I have fun. So that's good. I like having fun. I like having fun doing this. That's your so hobby. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, having fun is your hobby. Yeah. I think. I think. Uh, well, damn. I need. I need to pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say the the fact that like we got to the place of the accept growth, which is something like within the last twelve hours, I was meditating and reflecting on, and did not was not able to answer why it's hard, and so I'm gonna keep keep pushing through and working on that. Hmm. I would say the line that you said about people you went to high school with not being willing to talk to you. <laughs> and, like, that's funny, but it also is such a, like, clear indictment of, like, you actually weren't helicoptering. Like, you knew them. They knew mm-hmm. you. but the, You it were was, a literal part of the community. It was the community. <laughs> yeah. Like, really? Like, community. to our point about, like, building. Co- no, no. The, it was built. <laughs> but because of the van you showed up in mm-hmm. and the fit you had on and the microphone in your hand, like, they were unwilling to talk to someone right. they knew and trusted. And yeah. the relationship changed. It's such a like indictment of the form. So mm-hmm. that definitely stuck with me. Where can folks find you and your work in the ways you want to be found? I am on Instagram at poet Rosita Cox. Rosita, R-E-S-I-T-A, Cox, C-O-X. My multimedia and like journalism work is on RositaCox.com. Watch li- that reel. <laughs> Don't watch the reel, y'all. I'm going to take it down. <laughs> um, the Living Room Poet Series is a series I do where I read poetry in this large green chair around plants in my living room. Nice. <laughs> um, so you can find that on Facebook. All of my phones are up there. Um, and Twitter is just for Cedar Cox. You yeah. seem to have a kindred appreciation for seating. You've mentioned <laughs> chairs and couches a lot. <laughs> I like it. Does that just mean I'm lazy? <laughs> no, 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 no. We take seating very seriously. <laughs> One thing that if you've made it two hours into this conversation, which is where we're at. The next step. We, we've taken the step on quantity of seating. 
seating quality or something oh. over the last year. Oh my goodness, it's a thing. A good chair, a good sit. Yeah, that's that's for it another is, episode. It ain't nothing like it. We're gonna we're gonna tease that, but a and good the, sit and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we at Airco Radio. I'm at Airco Kiss. David underscore AF, and we'll be back next week with another person <laughs> reshaping the culture of the city for the more equitable and creative. Much love to the people. Peace. Hey Rosie. Yes, Daniel. Do you uh, listen to podcasts by any chance? Sometimes. Do you like how they sound? Not really. Well, you should really listen to podcasts on Overcast. Overcast is an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, not a single paywall. It's just a great podcast app for everyone, including you. Huh. You can get it for free on the App Store. Hey, Rosie. Yes, Daniel. Do you listen to podcasts? Sometimes. Do you like how they sound? Not usually. Well, you should really listen to your podcast on Overcast. It's an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. How do you feel about exclusives? You know, where like you can only hear it in one place. I don't like that. How about like premium content where you have to pay extra for it? No, thank you. What about like a paywall where you can't even see what it is until you pay? Uh Uh-uh. Well, the good news is Overcast doesn't have any of those. It's just a great podcast app for everyone. Great. You can get it for free on the App Store.